0: All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to my fourth podcast. Today, I got Daniel Thomas with us. He is a personal trainer at his own business called Dynamic Training. And uh, I just like to pick his brain a little bit about how he operates and how he overcomes obstacles in his life and how we can gain perspective from what he does and um, the mental attitude that he has fortified in his life. And hopefully we can apply some of the principles that he uses in our lives. And I'm very confident that we can. So One of the questions that I like to ask, especially right off the bat, is, Daniel, what inspires you to do what you do?
1: So what inspires me, my coaches, um, and and our team really is to help these young athletes become the best that they can be and to help them achieve their dreams. Um, You know, I think in today's world, especially when it comes to sports and coaches, a lot of people are – negative um they give negative reinforcement and it's not necessarily their fault that's how they were raised and in today's world there's just not a lot of light right there's a lot of doom and gloom a lot of dark a lot of negativity um a lot of criticism and corrective criticism is important but it's all about how you present the corrective criticism and so what inspires us is to just to build up these kids confidence and to tell them that they can achieve whatever they desire whatever their dreams are um if they work hard um if they put the Lord first, if they continue to work for it, that they can achieve whatever they want, you know, whatever dreams and goals that they have. And so a lot of times people just don't ask young people in today's world, what they want. You know Um, when I was growing up, I think it was, Oh, you know, I want a lot of, do you want to be a fireman? Do you want to be a police officer? Do you want to be a professional athlete? And in today's world, there's a lot of pressure on young kids especially at a young age, we work with a lot of high level athletes that are only 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and they have so much pressure on them. And, uh, and so I think just being able to be that light in the darkness is really what inspires myself and our coaches.
0: Mm. And that's a great answer. So for me, just hearing you talk, I, I just would like to know, like, how do you be that light? Like, what do you say? Is there like a technique or is it something that you hear them say? Like, what is it about them that you can bring the light to the, this this pressurized state that they feel like they, that they that might be uh, crumbling underneath?
1: So there's a few different things that we do, but the number one thing that I always talk to with my handful of coaches is whether you're a trainer, whether you're a coach, um, whatever your, your level of influence is, there's always there's so many trainers in the world. There's so many coaches in the world and there's probably people that know the game or know their business better than you do. So what separates you? And, uh, we try to focus on, you know, I can help someone become a good trainer. I can help someone become a good coach, but your heart has to be in it for the right reasons. Right? So I tell my coaches all the time, I need somebody that's in it for the right reasons that's in it for the kids that's in it for the people. And if you're in it for the people, you can grow as a coach and as a trainer. Um, and so, I just really throw a heavy emphasis on that because um, we're not the only business that does what we do, you know, but what separates us is, uh, you know, parents always come up to us and they're like, man, what is there crack in this place? What's going on? You know, the kids, they always want to keep coming back. And, you know, it's being there to love on them, to tell them that they can do it, to help when they think they can't get on a box and then they get on it and it's because you believed in them. It just it unleashes a whole different level of confidence um, and of passion and drive in these kids. And so something that we actually started doing recently is we created dream cards. Mm -hmm. And so with the coaches, what we have them do is I I ask them to give to reach out to one athlete a week. So we don't we're not trying to do anything by the masses because we believe in that personal touch. Right. So one athlete a week, we do dream cards and there's three questions. The first question is, what's your dream? What's your goal? And like I said, I don't think a lot of kids have been sat down enough um, and just ask straight up, like, what do you want, you know, what do you love? What do you love to do? Um, and then the next question is, you know, how can we help you achieve that goal? You know, we wanna, we wanna be able to create accountability for these kids so that when they come, um, or these athletes, or even these adults, it's like, you know, when they come in and maybe their mind's not in the right place, maybe they're, you know, whether it's just goofing around and being kids, or whether somebody had a really rough day, you know, and they're coming in, they're just not in the right mental state. It's like, well, I know what your dream is. So now as a trainer, as a coach, I can help keep you accountable. I can help keep make sure that you push through that obstacle. When you say you're too tired, when you say you don't want to continue on, it's like, well, what about that dream we just talked about? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So it allows the kids to express themselves, but it also creates accountability for them, and they know now, oh shoot, my coach, my trainer knows what my dreams and goals are, so now I can't slack. Now I can't give up because they know what I want, and they're here to help me. So uh, one big, big phrase that I try to live my life by, it's um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And so you got to show them that you care about them on a personal and individual level. And once you do that, then they will all of a sudden be more receptive to your coaching, your criticism, your adjustments. Um, because they know that it's in the, they know that you're trying to help them become the best they can be and that you're trying to help them achieve their dreams. Yeah, yeah man, that's,
0: that's really great to hear. I like, I like what you're establishing because that sounds a lot like what I feel is what I describe as a cycle of victory, because I feel like there's two cycles that our brain lives in. It's, I call it one, the cycle of defeat and the other, the cycle of victory. And I've really been trying to pin down what the cycle of victory looks like. And obviously it starts with positivity, goals and establishing your dreams and not being afraid to establish your dreams and then crushing it when you get there, right? Because this is what I want, I'm gonna get it. And the best athletes, and I'm sure you know this, but the best athletes have a great group around them. They need people like you and you need people like you to help you get there. And hearing you talk about caring for kids that was, you know, something that I had two coaches in my life and one was about football and one was about the kids. And the one that was about the kids really made a huge impact on my life. And, and I still keep in contact with him today. So it really makes me happy to hear you say things like that, because I just know that the kids in your gym probably feel really, really cared for and they feel like their goals are so achievable. So I just you know, like to commend you on that. But uh. I want to talk about you a little bit because um, if you're if you're not there like if you don't actually believe what you say I mean you've already said this but your kids won't your kids won't follow okay so what is it about you um I would say specifically maybe even goals do you have like two-week goals or do you have two-month goals is there something about you specifically that sets you different other than passion I know you got the passion but what about technically
1: Um, goals for me, I think, uh, you know, obviously I have goals for my business and where I want that to be, and where I want it, how I want that to grow, um, myself, you know, just like anybody else, I'm constantly evolving. My goals are constantly changing. Um, you know, this is a new phase of life for me because growing up, I was always, um, an athlete, right? So there was always that competition. There was always that sport. There was always that dream, that goal. So now transitioning to being, uh, I'm not going to say quite a has been yet. You know, I still got a little something left in the tank, but uh, believe it. I <laughs> believe know, like it. stepping away, step, <laughs> stepping away from the field, you know, uh, now it's like now my goals and dreams have changed a lot. I just got married uh, a month ago actually. Mm. And so my, my goals, my dreams now are about, you know, creating the right marriage, setting myself up for success in that direction. Um, you know, creating the right environment that I want for my family, and then also helping duplicate myself. Right. Um, I was blessed to have really awesome coaches growing up. Sounds like you're um, similar to yourself. Um, I have an amazing dad who forced me to read and do leadership material and books that I absolutely hated growing up. But as you get older and older, like they always say, you know, you don't realize how much that really helps and how much it affects you as an adult in your life. Um, So for me, my biggest goal is to try to continue to help my coaches and my team become the best they can, as well as myself. Um, You know, I don't think you can ever, there's no ceiling, right? Mm. Um, I feel like you are your best, um, you're your best motivation. It's like, Oh, if my goal is to be, you know, the best me in five years. And then in five years, you sit there and you're like, okay, well, my goal is to be the best me in five years, you know? And I feel like you're always chasing, you're always chasing that next level. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that's, that's the best because if for people that get static, people that get, um, you know, people that stop growing, it's like they stop living, you know what I mean? So I think that the goal is the bar is always continuing to be reset higher and higher. Um, but at the end of the day, I truly believe that success isn't how high you can go. It's how high you can take people with you. You know yeah. what I mean? So I always try to make my goals set for myself, but as well as for my team and now my wife and uh, and hopefully my future family as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I don't know if you've ever heard this quote or not, but Ben Franklin says, um, says most people die at the age of 25. We just don't bury them until they're 75. And ever since I read that quote, I was like, man, that's so true. You know, we just stop evolving at 25. And a lot of people, myself included, I was in a pattern where, you know, I was just trying to make money and get by. And then, you know, the more I spent time with the Lord, the more I realized, hey, there's there's better out here for you. And I feel like, you know, for me, I've found a passion and now I'm dialing in that passion. And uh, I, it, it is weird how it is helping others. I think there's something to be said there about how helping others, like truly helping others really, really helps yourself. Um, Is there anything that you can add onto that? I know that you kind of talked about it, but specifically, do you have an example?
1: Um, Specifically, I mean, I think that, you know, for me, whenever I get in a rut, whenever I get down, um, whenever I feel anxious, or have anxiety especially in the year of 2020 right there's been a lot of anxiety there's been a lot of uh, craziness going on in the world Um, the best thing that I can say is anxiety typically comes what I've found when you're so focused on yourself Mm -hmm. right when you're so locked in on yourself like this is going wrong in my life I'm doing this wrong this is me this 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 and it's always about me 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 most of the time Um, and so what I feel is when you step away from yourself even if you're when you're in the most anxious time of your life and you step away and say how can i help somebody else you're taking the attention off of yourself and putting it towards helping somebody else and without even knowing it all of a sudden your anxiety becomes a lot less becomes lifted um and i don't know if other people go about that it was some i can't remember where i heard it but somebody somebody had mentioned this method um and i just it kind of hit me and i was like that's interesting i'm gonna try that And, uh, you know, the year of 2020, like I said, has has brought plenty of opportunities um, where life seems absolutely crazy. And I think we all get um, overwhelmed at times this year. We've all been overwhelmed a lot. And so I've, I've attempted and I've tried that method and it's been pretty, pretty outstanding when you just change your mindset to think about how can I bless somebody else? And it can be literally um, as direct as what you're struggling with, right? If you're struggling with, um, you know, depression, if you're struggling with depression, you go out and say, how can I go brighten someone else's day? Mm-hmm. Not how can I brighten my own day? How can I make myself feel better? It's how can I make somebody else feel good today? And when you go and you help somebody else feel better, naturally, it makes you feel better. And uh, I think that's something that's been wired in us from, uh, you know, the, the big man upstairs himself. I think that's the way that we're wired as humans. And I just think that we forget that or we don't recognize that. Um, and so for me, recognizing that and actually going about and, and acting out on it has been pretty awesome. It's been a, a game changer for me. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I really feel like you hit the nail on the head there
0: with saying anxiety comes from focusing on yourself. And I think that's why God asked us to focus on him so much and on Jesus, because when you focus on him, you're not focused on your inequities because we all got inequities. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. So, for sure. Yeah. So when you're not focused on your own problems and you're focused on God's goodness, you in turn, your brain's just gonna make you want to do good for others and yourself. So yeah, I think that's a really key concept of what you just said. Don't so, don't focus on yourself so much. Like you can address your training, you know, you can make yourself better, right? You can set goals. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, to focus on depression, in my opinion, I think just leads to more depression. Um, but yeah, that's right. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do have to bring one thing up though, because before we recorded this, I told you that I listened to one of your podcasts and they asked you, what is the most overrated list? And you said curls. So <laughs> I'm going to give you one chance
1: to
0: <laughs> give you one chance to take that back because that hurt me, man. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I love lifting and I love curls. So don't get me wrong. I do okay. curls all the time. So I'm not saying I don't do <laughs> curls. Ah, man. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying I don't do curls because, man, my arms, they struggle to grow. I got to hit those suckers every other day. Right. Um, but, I mean, as far as for functionality, like, for if you're doing anything other than bodybuilding, like, if you're not just trying to look pretty, if you're mm-hmm. trying to be powerful, explosive. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I primarily train athletes, so right. um, trying to help them become as explosive, as fast, as powerful as possible. It's like the bicep is just not in that tier of importance. Uh, aside from looking great when you're like if you're a football player and you're running down the field, you know, right. there's been a couple of running backs in the league where you can't see where the ball is because their bicep is so massive over right, the top right. of it. And yeah. I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. Uh <laughs> right. but uh it's mostly for aesthetics. I put oh, it yeah. that way.
0: <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. I knew what you were trying to say, but uh I just
1: had to a little crap about it
0: because you
1: know what, I think yeah, what would you say?
0: I think after one lift, I think the coaches would give us like twenty minutes, they call it bro day. So we would just do, you know, curls for the girls.
1: I love it, that's awesome.
0: Right, absolutely. So uh yeah, so uh, I know uh, that you like your John Wooden books. So is there one thing from him that you've learned that you apply to your life more th- more so than others?
1: Mm, that's a good question. Um, I would say out of all of it, you know, because we, we break down on our YouTube channel each individual building block. We do a quick little like three to five minute video. Um, I've personally read different variations of his books, at least a handful of times. We also have like a little kid's book that breaks it down. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, I think John Wooden's pyramid, everyone focuses on the very top, which is success, right? And competitive greatness, which is what he calls success. Um, But for me on a personal level, I think that the two cornerstones of the pyramid are the most important. And I think that they are the most applicable to life um, which the two cornerstones are industriousness, which is pretty much, um, he breaks down as saying hard work and careful planning. Mm-hmm. And then the other cornerstone is enthusiasm and mm-hmm. one does not work without the other. And I think that's why he put them as the cornerstones. Cause you can't build a pyramid without one side, right? You have to have both corners and, uh, you know, enthusiasm, just being, enjoy what you love, right? If you don't enjoy what you, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, um, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, then you're going to get bored. And if you get bored, you're not going to be passionate. You're not going to put any effort into it. You know what I mean? You have to genuinely enjoy what you're doing. Um, but then the industriousness, the hard work and careful planning means like, you can't just be passionate, um, and not do anything kind of, you know, like the scripture says, faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like passion without actually going in and, and working hard for that dream or that goal or that love of yours. It's like, it's dead, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but vice versa, if you're, working super hard and you're planning and you're tedious with your, with, uh, with how you're operating and you're just grinding day in and day out, but you don't enjoy it. You don't have passion. You're not enthusiastic about it. You know, it becomes bored, you know, boredom and you become stale and you don't enjoy it. So for me, the two cornerstones being passionate about what you're doing, but then also being careful, methodical about how you go about it and grinding, mm-hmm. right. And grinding. Cause at the end of the day, everybody says that every big wig, every, Gary V in the world, you know. Everybody talks about it. You got to grind. You got to put your head down. You got to go for it. You got to just work, work, work. And uh, it's it's easy to work, work, work when you enjoy it, right? Yeah, when you love what you yeah. do. Mm-hmm. So for me, those two things are the pinnacle and are so stinking important. Um, every building block that John Wooden has has been awesome. Me actually trying to teach it. And trying to explain it has helped me understand it a lot more yeah. on a deeper and deeper level. You know, I think when you teach something, it, it's a whole different level that you begin to understand it. So each building block has been awesome. And it's actually really helped myself personally, helped me learn um, and helped me grow and been eye-opening on areas that I need to improve on too. But um, hard work, careful planning, and then just being passionate and enthusiastic about what you do. those Those two cornerstones have been huge for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just to reiterate what you said, uh, they say, uh, studies suggest that you only retain 10% of the information that you hear, but you retain 80% of the information that you try to teach. So there is a huge difference. So like, if you ever want your kid to really know how to do a drill other than just doing it, you have them coach it. And uh, I think a lot of classes are going that route. Um Because, I mean, there's there's multiple studies that would suggest that. And to me, it makes sense, because just going off my own personal experiences, I didn't learn a whole lot just listening, you know? (laughs) So uh, I could attest to that. Totally. But uh, yeah, one thing I wanted to uh, talk about, you said it, you kind of mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to bring it back. Um, Something for me that I've realized makes me a lot better Just in general, but also execution wise, like I execute a lot better when I have freedom of failure. I don't know if you know what I'm saying, but like if I don't feel like I'm gonna get reamed on or make a mistake, I'm less likely to make that mistake. Does that something that resonates with you? Do you know what I'm talking about there?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that, like I said, I think that there's a there that's missing in the world today, big time. I think everyone is so quick to have judgment and to, cut, to, to beat down people, you know, um, you could be doing 90 things, 90% of things right, and someone's going to leave a comment talking about that 10% that you didn't do right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, so I think that more now than ever, is that true? And is that important um, to have people feel like they're in a safe place, in a safe zone where they can, they can fail forward, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. use failure as a growing um a a way to grow yeah for sure yeah definitely and that
0: and that's something that sometimes I kind of mix my words because I have different definitions of mistake like to me a mistake is something you have to to get to the right to get to your goal um people think of mistakes as like oh I'm done like I failed the test like no like you're actually a lot closer like there's no scenario in life where you get it right the first time. time I mean it's very unlikely so I think like, with what you're doing and what you're teaching these kids, like, hey, man, it's okay to make these mistakes. Go for it, right? Go for it within the, right. within the system of, you know, whatever offense you're running or whatever. But go for that shot, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And when you see these people that um, aren't making mistakes right? That do things so flawlessly. And then we see it because we're in a world of social media where you see everyone's highlight films. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people get down themselves because, oh man, I made that mistake. And they, they didn't, you know, they compare themselves and it's like, I promise you that seasoned vet that's not making mistakes already made them. You know what I mean? They made those mistakes at one point and now they've learned from it and now they don't make those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, like I said, I think people will only see these vets that are doing everything perfectly. And it's like, yeah, go look at that person 10 years ago when they yeah. first started the same way you're first starting. Right. And, and it's not going to look that different, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's
0: one thing that, so I study neurology because I really am fascinated about how the brain works, but that is something that they would suggest to stay away from is comparing yourself to others. Because one, let's just say you are that good. Well, then you limited yourself. Two, if you're never that good, well, it's because you limited yourself. So, really, you got to be better than your previous self all the time. And that'll take you so much further. Because yeah, of comparing yeah. yourself, right? That leaves sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah. so how else How else do you, because I think it's important, because you, you mainly focus on um, younger kids, what, high school, middle school?
1: Yeah, I mean, we train – we train anywhere from pretty much like nine or 10 all the way through college. Um, I think that most of the, yeah, to all the we call it peewee's of the pros. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> is what yeah, we yeah. call it. pee of the pros. Um, but I think a lot of the emphasis gets put on the little kids. Um, we have a lot more, I'd say we're probably 65, 70% of our athletes are, are 13 and under. And mm-hmm. then we probably have a 30% that are high school and college. Okay. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely a blend between the two, but yeah, I think the the younger athletes are the ones that we see are the, young, the younger athletes are the ones that we see that really are reaching, are reaching out and needing um, the guidance, the love, the support, the older athletes I think may still need it, but they don't show it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of have that hard face a little bit. They got it all figured out. Um, and, it, and, uh, and so that's, so it, it's fun. The older athletes, you get to build that relationship of all of our coaches. We're all fairly young. Everybody's pretty much under 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, we get to build really, really good relationships with them where they become friends. We become mentors for them, big brothers, like mm-hmm. um, versus the young athletes, when, when you got a 10 year old and you know, you're 29, 30 years old, they look to you almost like still like you're, you're a dad or you're, yep. you know, more of a father figure. So it's, mm-hmm. it's um we apply the same mindset, the same structure with them, but it's delivered differently. That's for sure. Cool. Yeah.
0: So I was talking to uh, a trainer the other day and he was talking to me about the need for these younger athletes to, to be able to express themselves because they don't, he's telling me that they don't really know how. He's saying the mental health aspect of their their childhood um, can be partially damaged. Um, And he's saying a lot of what they're focusing on now is helping them mentally, helping them mentally express themselves in the right way, helping them mentally, like you said, um, picking out a goal and not being afraid to chase that. Um, The thing that I find interesting, though, is when these kids do grow up, You know, for those of them that hadn't had that, I would say, healthy childhood, how do you help those kids, those that are high school that tell you, you know, like they know it all, that put on that brave face?
1: Um, You know, we always, we always go back to loving on them and just showing that you care about them and their improvement. Um, the more stubborn the athlete is or the more arrogant you could say the athlete is, um, you know, we always, we just have to show them for one, there's always someone better than you. Right. (laughs) Like like the rock always talks about, right. You always want to be the hardest working person. You know, the rock has all his famous slogans, but he really emphasized on, uh, you know, don't let anybody outwork you essentially. Um, And so, with the older athletes, we try to let them remind them that, Hey, you know, there's somebody else working out there, you know, make sure that you're not getting outworked. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are the athletes too, that, especially with COVID, we had a lot of athletes come in and you can just see that they're broken. Their spirits are just broken. Um, you know? And like I said, with our coaches, the number one thing we look at is I don't, I don't ask a coach, you know, Oh, did you play in the NFL? What's your, what do you, give give me a resume I, I i really dive down and i want to know what their heart is because uh-huh. at the end of the day when these kids come in broken you could be the best nfl nba uh trainer in the world but if you don't have a heart and you can't see that someone's hurting and you and you don't have you're not able to build that relationship that's able to pull them over and say hey come talk to me for a second what's going on uh-huh. you know um that's, that's the, that's the one thing that with our older athletes is you have to have a relationship first. Cause if you don't have the relationship or something, they don't, you don't have that mutual respect or that bond with that athlete, then you're just, they're kind of just like, all right, yeah when are you going to stop talking to me? Let me go back in line, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know how it is when there's a coach that you don't like, and they try to have a hard to heart with you. You're kind of like, dude, I don't want to talk to you. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and then you have that coach that's invested time, energy, um, and as and just, you know, they love you and you love them and they come and talk to you, you're, you're, you know, you're more willing to be emotional. You're more willing to um, open up and be honest with them. So I think it all circles back to just caring for the kids, caring for the athletes, no matter how old they are, building that relationship. And you might build it in a different way, but at the end of the day, it's all about relationships.
0: Yeah, 100% there. Um, and that is most psychologists, in fact, I think all psychologists I have yet to hear one say differently, but the number one key to happiness is having good relationships and the key to having a good relationship is trust. And that's why I think it's so important for people right, like right. me and you and, and others around to have, you know, your relationship with God first, because if, once that's solid, then what I call horizontal relationships are so much better. And I think it just comes out of a flow instead of a something that you have to do. And I think that's, that is probably what I would define as light in today's world. I know you're talking about bringing light into the darkness. And for me, just my definition would be having a loving relationship and being able to have that same relationship with other people. And it it does come down to trust because a lot of these kids that don't have this childhood that, you know, me and you were blessed with, they have broken trust. So that establishing that trust can be difficult. And in, in, in when you do establish it, maintaining it because they'll find a way because of the way their brain is wired, they'll find a way to, you know, get out of it because they're afraid that it'll, you know, turn, turn around on them. So, uh, I mean, that, that right. is, I'm sure you've probably been there. Um, and that I think for me personally is the thing that I've struggled with the most is, is maintaining the trust because they want to break it. Um, do you have anything to add on to that or what?
1: Um, you know, I, I think that trust relationships, um, I think at the end of the day, there's some, some people are more broken than others. Like you said, you know, some, you never know what somebody's going through and, uh, and just being aware of that,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: as a leader just just understanding and not judging someone comes in they're snappy that you don't just immediately you know drop them down for whatever punishment that you have you know that you're mm-hmm. compassionate you're empathetic and that you're you know maybe they just had something really bad go on in their life you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and the older they get you know the more complex it gets who knows and sometimes it's something like oh they just got out of a relationship you know someone got dumped and it and you know to an adult it's like oh well you're gonna that's gonna happen four more times in your life before you you know you, you get married or whatever but just being empathetic and and realizing you know that you don't know what they're going through and you know yeah. when you're young and when you had your first encounter with puppy love or or however you want to name it mm-hmm. uh, you know it stings and it hurts and those those um the the things that we go through mold us and create us. Yeah, so just being empathetic and, of that as coaches and just realizing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so last topic I really want to drive home before we end this conversation is masculinity. And what I want to talk about it specifically is we're in this weird time right now, and we can go all day and night about the weird things going on right now. But for me, something I'm noticing is is I don't know if I don't know if I want to call it an attack on masculinity, but maybe. Maybe being ashamed of being a man per se, but what I really want people to understand is masculinity isn't what the old definition of masculinity is. I think what masculinity is, is what I'm hearing a lot from you is caring, you know, being sensitive enough, being loving enough to know that, Hey, like, I know you need my trust and I want you to trust me. I know I want to be there for you. I want to have your back. I think there's this traditional masculinity that would say that that's not cool. Um, So I would just love to hear your definition. And maybe it's maybe not the word masculinity because I feel like women and men have different traits, but at the core of it, it's the same thing, which is love. But specifically, could you speak on what it is to be a man?
1: You know, when I think of a man, I think of... Uh, I think of I think of the head. I think of a leader. I think of a provider. I think of um, a supporter, and I think that the world twists everything, right? That every, I think that a lot of these words and definitions, um, for example, submit, uh-huh. right? The word submit and the definition of submission. You know, if you tell anyone, uh, to submit immediately people's walls go up, right? <laughs> Their barriers go up and they're like, I'm not going to submit to you. And they get really angry, you know? Mm-hmm. And that word has been so twisted into like such a negative connotation. And um, I think that's the same thing with, with masculinity. Um, I think it all comes from a good place and that it's all been twisted. And um, and it's not just the, the media's fault. I mean, it's also men's fault at the same time. You know what I mean? I think that it's it I goes both it. ways, you know? Um I watched this one movie. It's called, uh, my big fat Greek wedding. And it talks about the man. He says, I'm the head, I'm the head of the house, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the wife, um, the wife says the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. And yep. she could turn the head <laughs> any way she wants, Right? Exactly. you know? Yeah. And I think, and, and I just laugh at that because it's so true.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the only way it works, the neck can't be turning left and the head can't be turning right. Right. You have to be working together. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, um, Masculinity This is a really good question. I've never really dove, <laughs> like really dove into it like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I think masculinity is also being confident in who you are. Um, because for me, I am very content in my masculinity. And so when people try to threaten mm-hmm. my masculinity, it doesn't faze me. Um, it doesn't bother me. I can let it roll right off my shoulder because I know who I am. And I think that the, the men in the world that portray masculinity in a negative light are not truly, you know, secure in their masculinity. They're not secure in who they are. Um, and that, and that's why they flare up. Right. And they're like a peacock that pushes, you know, pushes all their feathers (laughs) out and is trying to, you know, say, Oh, well I'm this and I'm that. And it's because they're, they're insecure and they're not content in who they are. And and it, it all comes back to, you know, um, your identity, you know, are you can, do you have an identity? Do you know what your identity is? Do you know who your identity belongs to, you know, and where it comes from? And, uh, I think as men in the word masculinity, I think it stems deep, deep, deep from biblical roots, you know, God created man and God created woman. Um, and there's, and there's roles and, you know, there's roles as to what, you know, how we should act and how we should go about it. And I think that, um, if you don't know that, right. If you don't know your history, if you don't know your biblical background, if you don't know your heavenly father, then yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to live a life um, to be the man when you don't even know what it means to be the man. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, it's like you want to look at some of the best men that show true masculinity that show true um, ownership as the head of the household in a correct manner. You look at some of the most godly men out there and Absolutely. they're going to show you what true, what a true man it looks like, you know? So for me, I think that we just, as men, as as a whole, I think that we're just missing the true definitions of what it means to be the head of a household, what it means to be uh, a man, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So um, I don't know if that, if that really helped you out and gave you a ton of insight, but that's just my personal take on it.
0: No, that was a great answer. I honestly could not have said it better myself and almost should. Uh, I mean, I just, like I said, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like you really nailed some things that, uh, that were specific and unique to why men do certain things. Like you said, insecurity, uh, you know, they tend to peacock uh, because they don't know. And what, what I would like, you know, anybody that's listening to know is it's okay to have insecurities. I think the most, the guys that, that show true, you know, masculinity know that they have insecurities and that's okay. You know, to be comfortable in your weaknesses doesn't mean that that's how you leave them, but to be okay with them, right? It doesn't make you less of a man. And so I think just going off of that, um, you're talking about being rooted in biblical truths about being a man. And, you know, some people would don't like, you know, man as the head of the household, but it's just like, any other relationship, like You're a coach, right? You can't score the touchdowns, right? You need to know that you're the coach and not the player. Okay, it just works better that way. It's not to say that that player can't be a coach sometimes or that coach can't, you know, address the player in a different way, like a brother. Okay, it's just, this is the way that it works better. And so I think, like you said, people tend to overreact or misinterpret the word like you use, submit you know, it kind of coincides with the word masculinity in the way that, you know, some people can, you know, misinterpret it. So I think it's important for us to, pe- you know, for people that have roots to establish what true masculinity is, you know, it's not domineering. It's not, it's not look at me, women, submit you right? That's not it at all. It's actually partnering. It's growing together. And it's, 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 you know no relationship is 50 50 right we all know this but right sometimes you got to be the person that's that does 60 percent of the work 70 percent of the work sometimes that's just how it has to be um i really like what you said so uh last thing i'd like to ask you um this would be the last question for sure um how has god uh helped you in your life and helped you help clients
1: oh my gosh <laughs> uh I mean, it's, it's, it's the, he's, he's the, the rock that you stand on when, when your foundation is shaken, you know, um, specifically, you know, like I said, I keep coming back to 2020, man, Uh this is the year where it's like, I don't know how you, I don't know how, I don't know how I would get through a year like this without having God as my rock, Uh uh, you know, and it was the big, it was a big thing when, um, looking for a wife, you know, and a partner for, for the rest of your life is, you know, Hey, just because you have God in your life doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. You know, you're going to have problems no matter what happens. Um, but having God in your life is, is going to help you get through those problems, right? He's going to help you, um, mature. And as you mature in your relationship and your faith with him, um, he's going to be the rock that you stand on. And so from a business perspective, um, this whole, my entire company actually started through, uh, I mean, I don't want to say through God, that's not the right way to put it, but, um, it all come, it all came from finding your purpose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And, uh, another, another big quote that is pretty much a, a way that I've molded my life was, um, a, a gentleman that was one of my mentors growing up. He said, find something that you love so much that you would do it for free and then do it so well that people are willing to pay you for it. And that was something that really is what helped me start my business and my company. Mm -hmm. And he was one of this, this gentleman, he was one of the greatest high school speakers. He did, he spoke to millions, millions and millions of kids. Uh, They used to do feats of strength. I don't know if you've probably have seen glimpses of it, but they used to you know, break the bricks and bend the bars. um, They would go and do all, all of these these crazy feats of strength and then they would then they would they would draw the attention from these kids and then they would share their heart right and they would share their heart and they would share god and they would share the impact that it's had on their lives and uh and for me he was mentoring me and uh we were going over he was the chapman of the oakland a's and uh for the last 20 years he spoke at multiple world series which mm-hmm. is pretty cool mm-hmm. um and i just remember him talking to me about Im- influence and the number one thing that holds so much value is influence, right? Um, Where's your place of influence? And then once you have a place of influence, how can you use that place of influence, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so for me, finding out what God has called you to do is the greatest thing feeling in the world. And it's also probably the hardest thing to figure out in the world. I mean, that's everyone's question, right? They're searching for, um, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? You know, what's my purpose. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think people often search. They they think it's like, it's a hidden buried treasure, but it's most of the time it's right in front of your face. The reason you are the way you are is because God gave you those traits, those qualities, um, And those abilities, right? So Mm -hmm. if you enjoy music, you don't just randomly enjoy music, right? There's a reason why you enjoy music so much. There's a reason Mm -hmm. why you are great with speaking, you know, there's a reason why maybe you're not great at speaking, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think being able to find what your God given calling is, is the most rewarding thing and probably the most difficult thing to find. And so for me, I truly, truly believe that this is what I've been called to do. Um, I feel like I was bred for this um, through my upbringing, through my athletic career, um, through all these different avenues, the, the heartbreaks that I've had, the, the experiences that I've had, the, the hardships. It's just uh, I believe that th- it all led me to this, Right. Mm -hmm. impacting a generation impacting the next generation and i think that you truly find that satisfaction i don't i don't believe that this business could be created it could be created i don't think it would be flourishing the way that it's flourishing without god's goodness and his grace and his favor um and i always i have a license plate that says blessed and highly favored Mm. and uh i got my my first car first car that I was proud of in 2017, I got a nice Ford Mustang and uh, my license plate says blessed and highly favored. And I had a couple of my friends that were actually believers and Christians and they were going on missions and doing some great works. And uh, they're like, oh man, I wish I could have a car like that. And I think too often people think that if you want to be in the ministry or you want to be involved, um, that you have to live a life that is Low. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Exactly. A lot of people think. A lot of people think. You know, you have to. You have to scrape by. If you're going to be in the ministry, that means you scrape by. You know. Mm -hmm. And I try to tell people, I'm like, the reason I have that life plate on my car is because, you know, nowhere in the word does it say, "Oh, come and follow me, and I'll help you scrape by life." (laughs) You know, it talks about living a life that's more abundant. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. You know exactly, but I think our mindset sometimes is so skewed, and so I just try to tell people that you know when you always give and you always put God first, you know, his blessings are going to be there. His favor is going to be there to open up doors that, you know, no man can shut. And uh, I just feel like myself on a personal level, my business has been so blessed and it's had so much of God's favor on it that it would not even, it would not be at all what it is today without God and without my faith and without um, him working behind the scenes, man, just blessed to be able to be in the position that I'm in and blessed to be able to still be operating, Um, in a a world where a lot of people don't have jobs and don't have hope, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just blessed to have hope and blessed to give hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man,
0: you, uh, so so, first of all, thank you for being so transparent and just really being honest and talking about it. Cause that's awesome. Cause you really, really said some great things there. And just to reiterate into, into just, you know, piggyback off what you're saying, really, once you find your passion, And like you said, you had some heartbreaks that have led you here. Same with me. Uh, Once you find your passion, I mean, and you put yourself out there, God's going to take you a million miles an hour. Like he is going to exponentially make you grow. It's crazy. And so for me, I was always confused, like, like, okay, I don't believe in the, you know, you got to live life like poor or whatever gospel. So I was kind of always just waiting to see like, because I was an engineer prior to this. So I had, so I was making a decent amount of money out of college, but I wasn't happy because it wasn't my passion, but I had the money. And now I have the passion and now God is really starting to, to supply in the income area as well. And then this is what I realized. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to do exactly what it is we want to do. And he's going to prosper us through it. He's going to supply. And all we really got to do is enjoy the ride, you know, and help people get there as well. So that's really what I'm, yeah, I'm really hearing you say that. And that's, and that's awesome. And so I kind of lied, but this is, this is the last question I want to ask you and then then we'll be done. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, what, what do you, what do you think about convictions? Okay. Because the most common core thing I've, read and seen through successful people is is yes, there is confidence, but I think a precursor to confidence is convictions. Um, would you agree with that or do you do you notice something different?
1: Um, what what context do you mean by that like so for um, me, I think con- conviction yeah, go ahead So for me, uh
0: there's a verse in the bible that says the holy spirit is always convicting you of your righteousness in christ so for me it's like whenever i make a mistake it doesn't matter what mistake it is money or whatever it's hey your your identity is in christ for me that builds confidence and that that allows me to go out of my comfort zone no problem um is that something that yeah yeah I don't know. Go,
1: go on. Um, I think conviction is 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 huge because I think you don't truly feel conviction, you don't feel convicted ever until you begin to have a relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you don't see anything wrong with what you're doing, right? Um, you begin to build and grow that relationship, and the Lord begins to pull on your heart, like the Holy Spirit, like you were talking about, right? Um, begins to hold, begins to pull on your heart, and 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 lets you know sometimes louder than others when hey you should not be doing this mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um, and but I think that it's I think that that it's it's, a, it's amazing because it's accountability. It's God's way to keep you accountable, right? That in, that inner voice is huge, and I think that too often we second guess ourselves on that inner voice, and we think that we tell ourselves to shut up because we think that it's us talking to ourselves. Um, but the moment you realize that that inner voice is truly the Holy Spirit and God trying to talk to you, right? Him, Because I think everybody just reads these stories in the Bible and everyone's waiting for that like Daniel <laughs> moment, you know, <laughs> where God, yeah. you know, talks to you from a loud voice. And I'm like, you know, and people always say like, I don't hear God, like God doesn't talk to me. Like, well, yeah, I think aside from some of the crazy biblical people like Moses, I don't think God just talks to you like siri does you know (laughs) Um, he talks to you through the holy spirit right he talks Mm -hmm. to you through your convictions you know right when you when you're gonna do something and you're like oh man i don't i just feel like this i shouldn't do this right now Mm -hmm. that's the lord telling you right like probably shouldn't be doing this right now so i think convictions as much as you hate can like you don't like feeling convicted necessarily Mm -hmm. um convictions are, 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 is really just God talking to you. You know what I mean? The more we can become aware of that. Um, I think the better that you're the better, the smoother, um, your life truly begins to get right. The more clearly you can hear God speak to you. And you know, it, it goes from being maybe just convictions to turning from just convictions to guidance, right. Um, as the Lord begins to guide, guide your path, you know, sometimes for me, um, for, for me, I've gone through quite a few times where, you know, I, I'm like, oh, I want to do this and I just feel so strongly in my heart that I, that I shouldn't do something. Um, and, and it's not, and sometimes it's, it's business related. Sometimes it's relationships. Um, uh, sometimes it's financial and sometimes it's like, no, shut up. We're going to do it anyway. No, we're going to shut up. We're going to do it. Anyway. Uh, you know, and then it backfires and I'm like, gosh, dang it. I should have mm-hmm. listened. you know, and you think that it's just you second guessing yourself, but you know, seek me and you will find me, you know, the more Mm -hmm. that you dive into the word, the more clearly you hear him speak to you. Um, but I think conviction is the first way that we truly hear the Holy spirit. Mm. I think that's probably most people's first encounter with him, um, Mm -hmm. with the Holy spirit and with, um, the Lord trying to talk to you is through conviction. So I think that it's, it's, sometimes seen as a negative thing but i think that it truly is a positive oh well, yeah thank you for that answer and but you're asking some really good questions i've never been asked these questions i know so <laughs> these are the questions that so I these, ask, are, these are really yeah. questions like they're i'm like really having to think
0: <laughs> yeah i know i don't want to like make you feel like i'm trying to stump you i'm not i just these are the questions i ask myself all the time so but yeah thank you for uh For these answers and thank you for coming on I really appreciate that and that'll wrap it up for us so I really
1: appreciate it man yeah give me think and and uh forcing me to to really dive into some areas that I haven't personally thought of because this is huge for myself and for growth because you hit me with some things that I'm like uh not as prepared for I think in my head and it's just an opportunity for growth for myself on a personal level so thanks
0: yeah absolutely man
1: anytime